thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Hope this message from Good News Company blesses you. Find us on Instagram and Facebook and enjoy the message. You guys are incredible. You can find your seats. Thank you. I'm excited and expected because we're doing baptisms tonight. year to say, you know what, every two months on the last Sunday of the month, we're going to set up the baptism, we're going to do the whole thing, uh, and whoever wants to get baptised, whoever wants to make that decision, they can do that. And uh, it's been so awesome because every time we've done it, uh, there's been someone or a few people that have decided, you know what, this is my time, this is my chance, this is my opportunity to... uh, Make a public declaration that I belong to Jesus. Uh, We're going to celebrate them right at the very end. Baptisms at the very end of tonight. Um, But until then, I thought we'd just open up the word. If you don't know me, my name is Kieran, along with my wife, Bethany. Um, We have the honour to pastor Good News Company. Uh, And uh, we love it. We love you. So if you're new tonight, welcome. You're our guest. You're our VIP. And uh, my new best friend. So uh, thank you. Yes, I am wearing a, a lilac and white shirt. Um, just acknowledge it right now. And then we'll move into the Word of God. Hey, if you've got your Bible, um, I want you to find your way. We're, we're going to go there in just a second, but just so you're ready, to the book of Habakkuk. The book of Habakkuk, uh, chapter 2. Chapter 2, the first couple of verses. First couple of verses. We're not going there yet. Because first, I need to bring you up to speed. With, uh, we're doing a bit of a series at Good News Company, if you're not aware. Um, we're doing a series called Solar Vision. Everyone say Solar, Solar Vision. Vision. And uh, for the last few weeks in November, we've really been seeking the heart of God, saying, Jesus, what is your vision for our lives? That word solar in the dictionary means something that is related to or determined by the sun, S-U-N. Oh, we're just... We just changed the U to an O, the Son, the S-O-N, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And so we don't want a vision that is determined or related to anything other than Jesus. And we've been saying to ourselves, God, whatever it is you've called me to do, uh, I want to make sure whatever the vision you've given me, I want to make sure that vision comes from you, is about you, points people to you, and like solar power, requires Jesus to work. And uh, the, first, uh, the first two weeks, we've just been exploring that idea, and uh, I've been thoroughly enjoying it. Last week, we preached a message called Heavenly Energy, and that was um, energetic, and uh, it was really good. If you missed any of them, I fully, I really encourage you, before the year's out, go back on the podcast, you know, all the pipes, and uh, listen to them, um, especially before 2022. <laughs> Get, get that into your system because as you're thinking and praying about my new year and not just time, but parts of your life, vision for my family, right? Vision for my children, uh, vision for my money, vision for my job, vision for my education, vision for this relationship, vision for my church, whatever the vision is that God gives you, you want to make sure it comes from him. And we've been looking briefly at Hebrews chapter 12 as our anchor scripture. It says this in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Since we're surrounded 
by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And here it is, verse 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. In other words, having some tunnel vision when it comes to Jesus. Usually tunnel vision is a bad thing, right? Because it means you're not, you're not taking um, consideration of your surroundings. You're just fixated on this one thing. You've got tunnel vision. And that might be a bad thing if you're driving or some other thing. But when it comes to your walk with faith, man, I want to have tunnel vision for Jesus. I don't want to be looking about what they're doing. I don't want to be focusing on where the world's going. I don't want to look at my peers necessarily, but I want to know what is Jesus saying? What is Jesus doing? What has he got for my life? And I want to fix my eyes on him. I don't want to be getting a social media vision. I want a solar vision. I want a vision that comes from heaven. And so because of that, we need to know what is God doing? What's he doing? What's he doing in my life? Have you ever asked that question? God, what are you doing? Sometimes it's with a bit more confusion, like, God, what are you doing? (laughs) Right? Uh, We ask God that question all the time. What are you doing? And I, and I really want to talk about that question right now because how many of us the question, God, what do you want me to do with my life? What's your will for my life? All those sort of things. And we pray prayers all the time. But I want to talk for a few minutes out of this book of Habakkuk. I'm going to pronounce that word wrong at least once tonight. Um, I want to ask the question, what are you doing? And I want to see what Jesus has to say. So it says this in uh, Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. We're going to read two verses here, then we'll, we'll jump in. It says this, I will stand at my watch and station, everyone say station, station. myself on the ramparts. They're just like big walls. Uh, and I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. Then the Lord replied. Then the Lord Replied. Come on, say it with me. Then the Lord replied. Then the Lord replied. And he said, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets. That's what I did tonight. (laughs) Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that the herald may run with them. I want to talk tonight around the, uh, the title, Divine Reply. Divine reply. Heavenly Father, I just thank you that you're in the room right now. Jesus, people have come tonight with questions in their heart. Some they wouldn't even ask their their significant other. Some they wouldn't ask their parents. They wouldn't ask anyone else. But Heavenly Father, tonight, I thank you you've got a divine reply. You're not scared of our questions. You're not scared of our thoughts. You're not scared of the things that no one else knows that we're questioning or thinking about. You've got a reply. I thank you you're a God that replies. I'm thankful that you're a God that doesn't leave us in the dark or questioning all the time. But you have a divine reply. I pray you move in this place tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, say amen. Amen.
get a bit emotional right there already. <laughs> That's great. We're going to have a good night tonight, and I'm excited for baptisms. Um, let's give it up for Eloina right there. Um, one of the best things about technology is... Oh, sorry, guys, I'm going to go over if you don't give me 30 minutes on the clock. If you don't know how to do that, it's okay. Just ask someone. Um, we could get to these baptisms. One of the best things about technology is instant messaging. Instant messaging. Um, maybe some of you will remember MSN. Does anyone remember MSN? Maybe you, you would or wouldn't. Uh, I remember I was in like middle high school, late high school when MSN came out and it's basically like a messenger, like messenger, Facebook chat, you know, the thing. Um, but you could send these things like um, emojis. Now, who even knows what emoji means? Like we know what it means. Um, instant messaging totally like changed the game. And I think that's one of the best things about technology. I mean, once upon a time, well, we have relatives who live in the Middle East and we can FaceTime them, we can send a chat at any point in the day or night and whoop, pops up on their end. And uh, that's very awesome. Uh, once upon a time, you'd have to write the letter and send it off and go by boat or by plane or something and land and find the right place. But today, we're blessed with instant messaging. Um, Probably the worst thing about instant messaging is being left on red. Maybe you don't understand that term, but being left on red in messaging means that someone has seen your message, but not replied. I don't know if there's one thing that's more frustrating than someone seeing that you've asked them something, just deciding not to reply. I mean, how would that even work in real life? <laughs> like, Rico, I always use you, but ask me a question. Just ask me anything. Uh, how was your day? <laughs> we, today, instrumenting is great, but I hate the social awkwardness of being, I mean, and it's not even the other person's fault. They should be, I, I leave people on red because I don't want to message them like when I'm halfway through dinner or something, but... Just don't open the message then. Yeah. Anyway, you can turn that off. I'll show you how to do it later so that you can't see that you've seen it. I remember, fun fact, this is in my notes. This is my therapy debrief pastoral session. When I was a youth pastor, I'd message the team regularly, say, hey guys, we're doing this, and there'd be one person that I just knew, I just knew they wouldn't look at my mess, they wouldn't open it. So I started to get sneaky with it. Because you know with the preview, you can see the preview, and then you have to open it, and it shows, oh, they've seen it. Hello. I would do something really clickbaity in the first few lines. Hey, uh, bro, I've got this great news. You're going to love it. Listen to this. Can you come in early and set up? And now I know you've seen it. Stop lying. Instant messaging is great because uh, we, we, we see that, but... When I ask a question, I'm expecting a reply. I'm expecting an answer. I'm expecting someone to respond to me. I mean, it's just common courtesy. <laughs> common courtesy that it sometimes feels like God doesn't, um, that doesn't apply to him. 
Because the book of Habakkuk actually, it, it teaches us, the, all through the book of Habakkuk, the wider context of this book is really a book of questions and answers. It's a, it's a whole book where the prophet Habakkuk is, is asking questions of God and difficult questions. He is asking questions and then God is giving a reply. God is responding. And then that causes more questions. How many sometimes God's answers to your life just produce more questions than they did answers? And this was happening in Habakkuk. He would ask a question, God would reply. He would ask a question, God would reply. The, the whole book is about responses and replies. Requests and replies. And I was thinking about this because I have kids. And if you have kids, you know that kids ask a lot of questions. Kids ask a lot of questions. And usually, they don't make any sense. Like some of my, some of my favourites is, Dad, uh, which, which one runs faster, fire or dust? Um, it doesn't even make sense. I won't tell you which kid asked me that, because I want to protect his identity. <laughs> Bethany tells me about it. You tell too many bad stories about our kids. You say nice ones, so he's curious. There you go. <laughs> Fire or dust? Um, oh, Dad, if we have two eyes, how can we only see one thing? <laughs> it's a good question. It's a great question. Dad, why don't crabs have eyebrows? Like. <laughs> and I reckon that is sometimes maybe how God feels with us. We're questioning, God, God, why? Why is this happening? And I feel like sometimes he is saying to us, you're just asking the wrong question. (laughs) To me, if you could see my perspective, you will see that your question doesn't even make sense. It doesn't even connect to the reality that I'm living in, God says. But Habakkuk teaches us that, uh, that God responds to our queries. Uh, Jesus, in the Bible, Jesus responds. The disciples, they ask Jesus a lot of questions. There is a lot of questions asked of Jesus in the New Testament. In fact, 113 recorded, probably way more, recorded questions Jesus answers in the New Testament. 113 questions Jesus is asked. Um, Guess how many he didn't answer? Two. He was asked, recorded, 113 questions, and he didn't answer two. And they were when he was with Pilate on the cross, you the Messiah, blah, blah, those sort of questions. That's a pretty good Q&A ratio, like Q to A ratio right there. 113 questions asked of Jesus throughout his earthly ministry, probably a lot more, and we are recorded, even the stupid ones, like, Jesus, can we call down fire on that town and burn them all up? Like, stupid question. And he answers them. Oh, Jesus, can I sit on your left hand, your right hand side, or your left hand side? Can we sit there? Do you even know what you're asking? He says. But he still replies, I'm thankful that God still replies to my stupid questions. That even when I'm asking the wrong question, when it doesn't make sense, when I can't understand it, God still is gracious enough, loving enough, like a kind father to say, Kieran Krabs don't have eyebrows. Because they don't have hair follicles. You're asking the wrong question. And uh, I ask, this is encouraging to me because I have a lot of questions to ask God. 
I have, a lot, I have a long list of questions that I am seeking God and I'm asking God, God, why is this happening? God, how is that going to happen? God, who's going to do this thing? God, when? Right? All our questions is who, what, when, where, why, how? All of our questions. And God is so gracious. Habakkuk, the book of Habakkuk, teaches us two things. Everyone say two things. Two things. It first teaches us that it's okay to have questions. That it is okay. I just want to break the myth, break the, break the lie, break the religious lie to you tonight to tell you that it is okay to have questions. You, it is okay to come to Jesus and say, God, I don't understand why this is happening. That is okay. And I feel like that needs to just free someone because you've got questions in your heart and you're too scared to answer them because that means that somehow it's going to... Uh, show that you don't have faith or somehow it's going to show that you don't believe or it's going to somehow show that you're doubting in some way but question doesn't automatically equal doubt. In fact, question shows a heart to learn. It shows a heart to know. Question, And so I want to be a Christian. I want to be a follower of Jesus that is just the kid in the backseat asking a million, billion dumb questions hoping at least get one right. Because it's okay to question. Um, he isn't afraid of your questions. Oh man, hope they didn't ask me that. Angel, Gabriel, we got an answer for this one? Look at look it up in the quick responses. Do we got something? <laughs> I've never come across this question before. There's been millions and billions of humans, but no one's ever asked me that. What should I say? God's not afraid. He's not scared. He's not frustrated by your questions. Unlike parents, we get frustrated at our kids asking a question after question after question after question. Just go to school. Learn it there. I know that's not encouraging. But God isn't frustrated or scared about questions. And I'm thankful for that. Because it means I don't have to fear my father. I can go to my father and know that anything I say Anything I might be thinking, ask is asking me some weird question, but I love him. And it's the same with our father. Habakkuk teaches us that it's okay to God with some hard questions. If you study the book of Habakkuk, you'll see God's not answering no easy questions. Habakkuk's really laying them on thick. He's asking God, why is this happening to my people? Why are you using the unrighteous to, to, to deal with the righteous? Why are they okay and I'm not? All the classic questions that we ask and God is not afraid. His, your question will not catch him off guard. So number one, it teaches us we're okay to have questions. And number two, Habakkuk actually teaches us a bit of a, a formula on how to get a divine reply. He teaches us how to hear from God. It teaches us how to implement what we've heard from God. Because there is a correct way to ask questions. It's okay to question, but there is a correct way to ask questions. Because I need a divine reply. I don't want to just go to Google and Google search what is the meaning of life. What, why is this happening? I don't need a social media or a friend. I don't want to get my response from anywhere else. Why would I get a response from someone who doesn't have the answer I need? Yeah, yeah. I want to go to the one who knows all, is in all, was there before, who created the question that I'm currently asking. I want to go to the true source. I don't know if you've ever 
done exams or essays, but you've got to reference the source. You've got to know, is the source reliable? Is where I'm getting my information from strong and credible? Can I tell you tonight, church, there is no more credible place to hear for your life, to answer the questions that you've got, to know where should I go and what's the divine vision for my life. I want to know what does God say about this situation? What has God got to say about my current state of being? What does God have to say about my marriage and my family? What does God have to say about this church? What do you want? Because yeah. I don't care what everyone else wants. Because yeah. they can only give me so much. I need Jesus to give me a divine reply. So Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, gives us a bit of a, an example of how to receive a divine reply. You ready for that? Yeah. I'm going to help you. You can take notes. You get to have it quicker if you take notes. <laughs> It's in the Bible. Somewhere. That's a joke. Don't believe that. So it says this. I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. Point number one is you've got to station. Station yourself. You need to station. At the end of chapter one, he is just off the back of asking God questions. And God's reply Oh, sorry, Habakkuk's response. So he's just finished asking a big long paragraph of questions, a big prayer list, big prayer request list. And then at the bottom of it, it's tagged in chapter two, but it really is just a continuation from chapter one, his question. Then he says, I've asked my question, and now this is what I'm going to do. Now I will stand at my watch, and I will station myself on the ramparts. What he is doing here is he is describing a guard standing on the walls or the watchtower of a, of a stronghold or a city, looking out into seeing what's coming, looking for a response, looking for a threat, looking for anyone approaching the castle. That is what he's doing. So he's saying, I'm ex- I want to ask a lot of questions, but now I'm going to position myself. Now I'm going to station myself in a spot where I can see what God wants to say in response to me. This guard had a tremendous responsibility because it was up to him to alert the town if someone good or bad, traitors are coming. It was up to this guy. He had a big job. And sometimes we ask the question, but then we bail out. We don't even station ourselves or position ourselves to hear what God has to say. And I want to encourage you, when you ask questions of God, don't question and then quit. Don't question and then bail. Don't question and then, and then just not expect anything. Position yourself, station yourself, set yourself up to say, okay, God, I've got the question. Now I'm ready to hear it. Now I'm looking to see. I want to see because positioning is important. Yeah. Do we have that, Paul? I just might as well use that example. Is that Paul somewhere, Cheryl? Over this side? Please don't feed. Positioning. We're saying positioning. Here we go. Positioning is important. I need uh, someone, Rico, stand up here. I've been using him for examples for like the past five years. (laughs) Better be used to it. Positioning is very important because Rico is asking for something from me. He's saying, Kieran, give me the ball. I want to know what the ball feels like. We might use this in the baptism later, it'll be fun. I want to know. So he asks me for the ball, but he doesn't position himself correctly. Okay, he's like, Kieran, give me the ball. Pass it to me. And I'm like, are you sure? 
Yeah, I'm sure. Are you ready for what I've got for you? Sure. Are you positioned correctly? All right, it's coming. How, how does he receive what I am wanting to give him? He has asked for something, but he's positioned incorrectly to receive what he's been asked for. So sometimes some of us, and I'm sorry, this is a new man, it is you, probably you, because it's me all the time, where we say, God, I want an answer. I need to know what you have to say. But then I spend no time facing away. I spend no time in worship. I spend no time in prayer. I spend no time in life group. I'm watching, I know some of you. I spend no time, I come to church five times, sorry, five times a year. And we receive, we're asking to receive questions from God. Pass here, pass here, pass here, let me break my phone. And then we say, God, I want to know what you have. And he's saying, would you station yourself? Would you be ready to receive? Would you have your hands open and worship? Would you put them up? Would you say, open your eyes? Because I've got something for you. Come on, give them a round of applause. I want to be someone that responds to the heart of God, that sees God. You've got an answer. I've got a question. If I've got a question, he's got an answer. If I've got a query, he's got an answer. I guarantee you there's nothing he does not know. There's nothing that catches him off guard. But you need to station yourself. Watch what Habakkuk says there. He says, and I will station myself. In other words, you've got a part to play. God's not going to come over to you and say, okay, this is what you're going to do. Now do this, now do that. No, it is up to us to station ourselves in the Word, station ourselves in prayer, station ourselves in church, station ourselves in the Bible, in daily devotions. It is up to us to position ourselves to seek, to receive the answer God has for us. Because too many people ask God, God a question, but then they just... They're not ready to receive. They're stationed incorrectly. And then I want to be a person who when I ask God the question, I'm ready to receive. Yeah. I'm expecting to see. I don't want the blessing of God to bounce off me like a ball yeah. of reapers backside. <laughs> I want to hear and receive what God has for me. Everyone say, station myself. Station myself. So once you've stationed yourself, it's time to add a little bit of expectation. Say expectation. I love that word expectation. Expectation. When I ask God from something, I want to expect an answer. I've got a poster in my office there. It says expect good things. Because I want to expect God to do something in my life. I'm not expecting nothing to happen. I'm expecting God to, 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 to speak to me. To answer me. So Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 1. He says... After he says that I'll station myself on the watchtower and the walls and all of that, he says, I will look to see. Say, look to see. I will look to see what he will say. How do you see something that he says? That's just a question. I don't have an answer. (laughs) Question and answer. I will look to see what he says to me. I will look to see what he will say to me. In other words, I'm expecting to see something in the distance. I'm expecting for something to happen. What about the prophet? He goes up on the mountain and he says, it's been a drought for a long time. Um, and, and he says, stay up there. Go back up there. You're going to see rain clouds soon. And he goes up there and there's nothing. He comes back down. He says, there's no rain clouds. Go, go check again. There's nothing. 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 Go check one more time. He goes to check and he says, look, there's something. 
Some of you, you've been checking and there's nothing. There's checking and there's nothing. You've been checking and there's nothing. But someday there will be something. But you won't see the something unless you station yourself and expect to see it. He says, there's a, there's a cloud like the size of a man's hand. Is that what you're expecting? And he says, that's it. That's what I was waiting for. I was expecting something. And some of you, you've been stuck on the asking, but forgot to seek and forgot to knock. Didn't Jesus say, ask and you will be answered. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. He doesn't say, ask. Just ask. No, you are ask. Then I, now I'm seeking. You don't seek something you don't expect to find. I'm asking, now I'm going to seek and I'm going to knock on some doors because I'm expecting a heavenly divine reply. Expectation. So I'm stationing myself. Hey, go on. I'm expecting something. But now I'm just in position. I'm not just going to look over there. I'm not just going to look. I'm expecting. It's coming in a second. God, I want to station myself. I want to expect something that God has to say. Keith can join me again. Actually, Ben can join me. I told you to be quick. Thanks for the time. Maybe some of you tonight, you've come in here asking those questions. Like I said, you, you haven't asked. You haven't thought about it. You haven't, sorry, you haven't said it to anyone. But you've got some questions. God, how are you going to pull this off? How are you going to do this thing? Tonight, you have an opportunity to station yourself with expectation to see what God will say. Habakkuk, he says, I'm asking God some difficult questions. But I'm not just going to leave it there. I'm not just going to quit and then leave it alone. I'm going to ask the question, then position myself for the answer expecting that my God loves me enough to respond. Yeah. Loves, and, and there's no guarantee, right? We know this. If you've been a Christian long enough, there's no guarantee the, res- the, res- the response is what you want. Don't get my message confused here. I'm just saying I'm thankful we have a God that replies. Yeah. I'm just thankful we even have a God that just sits up on a throne somewhere and every now and then checks in like the Sims, like you're playing the Sims and you're like, oh yeah, okay, good food. And then gets about his God business, you know, spinning planets and playing bowling ball with Jupiter and things like that. But I have a God that isn't sitting up there, but he's in here. He's interested right now. He's curious. He's wondering. He, he, he is he's invested in you. And he wants to answer you. So with stationing yourself, with expectation... You can expect to receive, point number three, revelation. Revelation. It says, then the Lord replied. So I've stationed myself with expectation. Then the Lord replied. Then my God spoke. Then I heard a whisper. Then I got a vision. It was really weird. Then I had a dream. Then someone prophesied over me or gave me a word of knowledge in a life group. Then God replied. Then I saw a a thing on TV and it was like, boom, whoa, my God. Then I had a conversation with my mom and she just dropped wisdom and it wasn't from her. (laughs) Loved ones. That was sad. Mina's mom said it was meant to be. 
Then the Lord replied. And what did he say? What did he say? He says, write down the revelation. Other translations say vision. Write down the vision. God wants to give you a solar vision, a vision that comes from Him. A vision that's about Him, a vision that's for Him, that points others to Him, and that needs Him to work. And He says, I'm going to give you this vision, but I want you to write it down. It cannot live in your brain somewhere. You need to open your iPhone and write down my solar vision for my blank, whatever it is, family, life, whatever, is, write it down. Write the vision down. I love this because Habakkuk has been asking questions, but God's answer is Habakkuk's vision. So some of you are asking questions, but he's going to give you a vision of the answer. He doesn't answer him the question directly. First, he says, I'm going to give you a vision. I'm going to give you a revelation. And that will be the seed of the answer that you've been asking for. I've got an answer for you, but it's going to start as a vision. And so when you're asking, oh God, how do I get through this season of my life? His answer is vision. I want you to get a vision from me about what you want your life to look like, free from that thing. Uh, healed from that thing, set free from that thing, with your family all together, everyone under the same house. Get a vision for that because that's the start of the answer that God wants to pour into your life. I want to get a solar vision from God and I want to write it down. And he says, make it plain. Make it easy to read on the run. He says, so that a herald may run with it. He's saying, don't Don't make it something you cannot carry. Don't make it something you can't go the distance with. Don't write something down somewhere or somehow that you're never going to see again. He's saying write it down and put it somewhere. Put it with you so you can run with it. This is not a stationary vision. This is a running vision. God's got something for you. And his answers are going to require you sometimes to do a bit of running, a bit of moving, a bit of going and saying, God, I'm not just going to stay here. I've got something to do. You've called me somewhere. I can see the future. You've prophesied in my life. I'm chasing that down with some heavenly energy, right? Paul says, he says, though I'm strenuously contending. In other words, I'm working towards this vision, but I'm going to do it with all the power that Christ so powerfully, all the energy that Christ so powerfully works in me. Write the vision down. Why don't we stand up right now?